When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Driver Show DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. Another week of golf action in front of us. Uh, maybe a little bit of a hangover this week, the old uh, week after a major hangover, particularly the week after the last major of the year hangover. But uh, we can recap the Open Championship from last week and look ahead to this week's 3M Open in Minneapolis. So, uh, still some good money to be out there, uh, to be won out there. I was surprised uh, at the size of the contest coming up this week. So uh, with baseball on the all-star break, surely there'll be many more eyes on the golf content this week as well. So we'll try to uh, bring you the best information that we have as usual, even though the tournament might not be as exciting as what we had last week. So I am Justin Van Zuden, a.k.a. STL Cardinals 84. We'll be hosting the proceedings for you. I've got Mr. Notorious Derek Farnsworth alongside me and Noto. Another outright hit for you with Cam Smith last week. So congrats on that. How you doing? Yeah, doing good. Uh, Cam ended up saving the day for me. DFS lineups weren't looking great. I was pulling for you in the Millie Maker, which uh, I think we've talked about this on the show before, but uh, being profitable in a Millie Maker is just so hard to do unless you really uh, have a high finish. And uh, you were able to accomplish that goal. So uh, big props to you for that. Yeah, it was a little strange. Um, about halfway, two-thirds of the way through Sunday's rounds, I was fifth and eighth uh, in the Millie Maker, and both of those lineups had both Rory and Hovland. Um, if you would have swapped Cam Smith's round with Hovland, uh, and Hovland would have done that and won the tournament, you know, it probably would have been a different story uh, for me there at the end of the day. But uh, that's it's really hard to win a million dollars. Uh, it's, that's definitely the closest sweat that I've had, uh, even though it, uh, it didn't work out there, uh, at the end of the day, Sunday, uh, top lineup, uh, ended up being one with Cam Smith and Hovland, uh, and Fleetwood and Bryson. So four members of the top 10, um, and then Lucas Herbert, who was 15th and, uh, Bobby Mack in 34th. So first, fourth, fourth, eighth, 15th and 34th. Still only good enough for 28th place, uh, and that only gets you 1500 bucks in the, the Millie Maker. But, uh, yeah, still profited, so that was the uh, first time, I think, 
that I've profited in uh, in my max entering uh, a Millie maker. And the two, my two best lineups were lineups number 149 and 150 out of 150. So uh, glad I max entered, I guess. But <laughs> it was still, I wish I would have entered more contests because those lineups would have been pretty much, you know, uh, near the top of some smaller field stuff. But uh, it's just, it's really hard to to win a million bucks. And uh, Hovland and, and Rory kind of sank that ship a little bit. But it was still a fun week, uh, fun tournament. Really, uh, really entertaining golf and a big, you know, big, big names there at the, the top of the leaderboard. So it was a fun week nonetheless. Yeah, great week. Uh, other than Tiger missing the cut, you know, I think uh, a lot of people thought he would play a little bit better. And it was just hole number one, man. Shot himself in the foot, ended up missing a three footer. Uh, his drive ended up in a divot on that first hole and uh, just never really could turn it around. So that was painful, but it, uh, the farewell to St. Andrews was kind of cool when he was walking up 18. And then uh, we got a great weekend. Um, it kind of seemed like those four guys separated themselves from everyone else uh, in Rory, Hovland, Cam, and Cam. Uh, and I kind of thought, you know, Cam Smith was out of it after he you know, made that decision on Saturday. I don't know how many people saw it, but he was uh, just like a foot away from going in the bunker. And he stood in the bunker and tried to hit a baseball swing type of a shot and went right into the gorse bush and kind of thought that, uh, you know, his tournament was over at that point. But just put together one of the, the better Sunday rounds that we'll ever see at a major. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. And Rory becomes the first player to hit, uh, have a 54-hole lead in a major, and in the final round hit all 18 greens in regulation and still not win the tournament. Two putted every single hole on Sunday, 36 putts. Uh, the two birdies that he had were holes where he had eagle putts uh, and two putted for birdies. So uh, 36 putts for Rory. I mean, it's not like he played bad. The tee to green game was still fantastic and uh, just didn't get enough putts to drop, which sometimes happens on a course like that. So uh, it's not like he lost it. I mean, that might be the narrative that some try to throw out there. He he choked another one away, but I mean, he was bogey free on Sunday. He had every single green in regulation and Cam Smith made six birdies on the back nine. That's just, uh, that's just what happens in golf. It's, it's really interesting to see that he had every green and still didn't win after effectively you know, after Hovland faded, you know, Rory basically went into that round with a four shot lead if you take Hovland out of the mix. So just incredible. Yeah, it was pretty wild. And a lot of people are comparing Rory's, you know, Sunday round to Tiger Woods, how Tiger would just play all the smart shots. And that's what he was doing. He'd, uh, you know, avoided all the bunkers, hit all the greens, and he just couldn't get any putts to drop. He probably could have been a little more aggressive on a couple of the holes, but I do think he got a little bit of a bad break on the par five. If he would have ended up, you know, left of where he was or right of where he was, he would have had a much easier shot on his third. Um, he had to putt up over that big hill, couldn't afford to have it, you know, come up short and go all the way back. And so he just blasted it 15 feet by. And once he uh, parred that one, you kind of got the feeling that maybe this is Cam's tournament to win. And uh, we got to talk about Cam's, you know, 17th, his uh, two putt from behind the bunker. That was uh, that was something special. Yeah, I mean, and we talked about it last week, just his wizardry with the short game um, and that, you know, the fact that that could propel him to to a victory if the course played a little easier. And uh, it was just a fantastic shot and just, uh, you know, a reminder of uh, his creativity. I mean, this is a course where there's several different ways you can play a lot of the different holes and uh, it obviously suits his game. And, you know, and now the the live rumors are rolling with Cameron Smith. Um, 
you know, I, I, whether that's true or not, who knows, but we're at some point now we're through all the majors this year, whether it's Cam Smith or some other big name, there's going to be a big domino that falls. Um, I mean, at what point does the PGA tour kind of reach out the olive branch to try to work with live? Uh, is it not going to happen as long as Monahan's there? Uh, it's going to become a story over the next few weeks when we got a lot of mediocre PGA tournaments and you've got guys like former tennis pro Marty fish getting sponsor invites this week. And like, I saw Jeff Overton got added to the field today. Like, eventually it's going to become something of a problem for the PGA tour. Maybe we're already there. And I know it's the week after a major and the fields are always a little bit weaker, but uh, where's this headed when we get an, a big domino or two to fall here over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, it'll certainly be interesting. Um, you got to expect some of the big names, especially maybe after the FedEx cup, a lot of these guys are in pretty good spots to make a lot of money for the FedEx Cup. So, you know, maybe they take their last paycheck from the PGA Tour and head out. And uh, John Rahm had some interesting comments over the weekend. He was saying he wants the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour to, you know, sort of make deals with the Live Tour. Uh, he was really mad about, he says, you know, they kind of left out Sergio Garcia after he gave them their whole career and all this stuff. They turned their back on him is what, uh, you know, Rahm was saying. So once the best players in the world start, you know, making comments like that, I think something's got to happen. But in terms of the field strengths, yeah, if you're going to run out a tournament uh, every single week or 40-whatever weeks of the year and you're going to lose guys each and every week to the live tour, it's just going to get worse and worse. Yeah, uh, it, it will definitely be interesting to monitor that and see where it heads going forward. It feels like there will be a breaking point at some at some juncture uh, when the next you know big name decides to go. We'll see what happens. Uh, but the live guys, pretty good weeks for a few of them last week. Um I talked myself into Bryson live on the show last week, and that worked out. He finished tied eighth. Uh, Dustin tied sixth. Um, you know, you had a couple other names that faded a little bit on the weekend, but still uh, solid overall tournaments for for some of the the live guys. So, um, yeah, it was nice uh, nice week for for Bryson for sure. He was the one that stood out for me. Uh, what else on the leaderboard uh, kind of caught your eye this week? I mean, Cam Young's driver, I mean, that thing is a weapon. He was blowing a pass where Rory was hitting it 20, 30 yards on most of the holes, uh, especially on the back end there. Obviously drove the 18th and then made the big eagle putt. Um, so he's going to be a guy that uh, we need to watch out for. His wedges weren't great, but he got a couple of bad bounces there. Um, and then he missed like that two-footer on number one and only lost by one. So he's someone to watch. Fleetwood, anytime you get him on links courses, I think uh, we got to play him. Uh, or any time away from America, even though he has been a little bit better uh, this year. And then, yeah, you mentioned Bryson. I was uh, I was surprised by how well he played. Um, you know, he didn't have a lot of you know, full iron shots, probably, so that probably helped him a little bit. Uh, but yeah, good call on that one. You talked to you talked us into that one. And then Dean uh, Burmeister. You know, we had Drew on the Twitter Spaces. He brought him up. He had a really good week. One of the better value plays of the week. So. Yeah, I feel like we hit had more good than bad. <laughs> One other thing I wanted to mention, uh, Cam Cam Smith ended up laying up uh, on 18 two of the first three days. He might have done it on the first day too. I didn't see you know where he hit it, but he laid. He was like the only one in the field to lay up, made par both days. So I was a little worried when he was heading to 18. Um, you know, with only 
a one-shot lead or on, on Rory, but uh, ended up taking out the driver, drove it up there on the fringe, and then uh, two-putted. So the first day, the hole actually played like 350-plus, and he drove the green in the first round. Okay, so and I then what... He drove the green in the first round, and then he laid up the next two days. It yeah. was kind of strange. Um, I'm not sure why, but... Yeah, he was hitting I... irons. I just didn't wasn't even close to the green. Yeah. No, he drove the green the first round, made birdie. Oh. In fact, his drive was past the – his 364 was his drive on 18 uh, to the back of the green in the first round. He was about 50 feet away. So, And also, kudos to the Open for adding some re respectable shot-by-shot -shot data. That was useful. It was. I didn't I didn't find out about it because it wasn't on the app. At least I couldn't find it on the app, but it was on the desktop and the mobile site. Um, so I didn't find out about it until, like, Friday afternoon. I was like, oh, man, where's this been? A lot, but uh, it's it's a little less stressful when you don't know where your guy is on the show, <laughs> I guess. And when you're sweating a million dollars, I can tell you it's a lot less stressful. <laughs> um, and you know, well, I, I I don't know. It, it was nice to have it better than like the PGA Championship, whatever garbage they throw out for yeah. players every year. What did you think of the course? Did it get held up? I mean, they they really they they just they can't make it when there's no win you just can't make the course be that hard uh, unless you try to completely trick out the greens and then you know you get what happened at the players the one year so the way it played and, and we we called it coming into the week that somebody might get to 20 under or 18 under um and that's what happened so you know yeah it played easier than what we usually see from a major but uh, you know it's just such a unique strategy element to that course that i I don't have any qualms with the way it played. Like if you would have put in a bunch of rain and 30 mile an hour wind gusts, like you sometimes get in Scotland, you know, then the winning score is like minus six or minus eight. So uh, no issues here. Yeah. I thought it held up a lot better than uh, I was expecting. I was a little bit worried uh, heading into the week that we could get like a 30 under par or something like that. But the only thing I didn't love is I think there are four or five drivable par fours. Um, it just it just became like uh, repetitive a little bit, but um, love the course, love uh, everything about the event. So I'm with you, no complaints here. Yeah, it's gonna get difficult, you know, with how firm and fast the course plays and how long guys hit it these days to uh, distance proof some of those link style courses. It'll be interesting to see um, how they handle that. You know, go back in seven years to St Andrews or whenever it is, what the uh, what the strategy will be like then, but. Um, speaking of 30 under, maybe that's what we get this week, uh, with the 3M open. We'll, uh, we'll break that down here in a minute, but anything else, any, uh, surprise miscuts, anything else we haven't mentioned? Uh, did you see Xander try to get that drop from the gorse bush? That was pretty bad. I did not. Right in the middle of a gorse bush. And he was trying to tell the official that he was, he could chip out from there and there was a grandstand there. So he was trying to get a free. Uh, line of sight relief from the gorse bush uh, luckily the the official didn't fall for it but yeah i thought that was a uh, very strange on his part was he playing with phil or what <laughs> it was right in the middle of it there's no way he could have even gotten a swing on it but he was saying he could have and he would have aimed it right at the at the grandstand <laughs> uh, there were a lot of fairly popular names that just missed the cut uh, Louis Oosthuizen, Keith Mitchell had some ownership last week. Max Homa, Webb Simpson uh, group, and Morikawa as well. That ended up one shot back of the cut line, so that did uh, really swing the the six to six percentage there. Um, as you got to Friday afternoon, 
and sometimes that's the beauty of golf with that cut sweat. Uh, we did have 83 players make the cut, and it was top 70 in ties. So, um, and that did end up making a difference. If it was top 65 in ties, we would have another. The even par guys would have gotten cut as well. So, all right, let's move to this week. Um, latest news on the PGA Tour. Ju Young Kim has gotten a special temporary membership, so uh, good for him. He had a decent week last week and was fairly popular, and he'll be back in the field again this week. Uh, 3M Open up at TPC Twin Cities this week. Fourth year we've had this event at the same course. What do we got to look forward to this week? Yeah, if you like birdies, you'll probably like this event. Uh, it's a par 71, over 7,400 yards, but all three of the par fives are under 600 yards, so they are very gettable. I uh, should see a lot of long irons um, this week. Four of the par threes are over 170 yards, and then you got a couple long par fours and the three par fives. So if you don't want to look at proximity, I think you know 175 plus makes a lot of sense. And then there's a lot of wedges hit here too, just not a lot of from 125 to 175. So I kind of left that out of my proximity numbers. Uh, you're going to see a lot of drivers. The average driving distance here is much higher than tour average. Um, pretty much everything's a little bit easier than tour average. Off the tee approach, around the green putting. Uh, the fairway is really wide. The greens are big. They're easy to hit. The only defense really is the water. Uh, it's in play on 15 of the holes. And I think this is like the third highest percentage of penalty shots where you have to re-hit it from the same exact spot, which means you're going to be having to carry it over large bodies of water. And if you hit it in, you're just going to be dropping from where you're standing most likely. Um, that's about it. I think the bomber angle makes sense. I think putting angle makes sense because the greens are easy to hit. But, uh, yeah, just make some birdies. And that's that's the defense of the course is the water. That's it. Yeah. Um, that's where the trouble comes in. You know, if you're not in the water, you're fine. Um, so don't uh, don't hit it in the water. Easier said than done. Um, you know, if you're a terrible golfer like me, you just aim for the water because, you know, it's not going to go where you aim it. And, uh, you know, the tour pros may be a little better than uh, than that. But uh, that's the defense the course has is the water hazards. Uh, so you will see some penalty shots this week. Uh, not a very strong field, so this is probably a week where it's not going to take us super long to get through it. Uh, we do have a handful of names, maybe only about a dozen or so, that played last week at the Open Championship that are playing again this week. Uh, we did have some that played at the Barracuda, the alternate field event last week, uh, which, of course, was held in the States. So no major travel there, but... Uh, are you worried about the travel angle and the hangover effect for any of the golfers who did play last week and are still in the field here? I mean, everything else being equal, I think I would rather have the guys that played, you know, in America rather than the guys that played in the open. But I don't think I'm going to cross anyone off my list just because they've been playing overseas. Yeah, I mean, it's mainly the good golfers, too, that yeah. uh, that are the ones uh, priced near the top that did play last week. Uh, we do have our first batch of ownership projections in, not super refined yet, but uh, we don't have a lot of top-end golfers this week. The first thing you'll notice, we almost always talk about how there's like six names above 10K on DraftKings. Uh, there's only three above 10K this week, and then there's only four more above 9K. So there's only seven golfers at or above $9,000 on DraftKings. Uh, there's only 13 golfers at or above the average salary that you have to spend per golfer. What that's going to mean this week is that all the high-end golfers are going to have significantly higher ownership than what you would expect, simply because 
there's not a lot of them and the pricing whereas they usually kind of make it relative with the field strength they didn't quite do that this week and so the pricing structure a lot of times where it's more difficult on DraftKings, it kind of resembles what FanDuel usually does this week. And that's why you're going to see likely 30% plus on a lot of these high-end guys. There isn't a way to differentiate your lineups with the top end this week. Just don't worry about it. Play who you want on the top end, and then we'll get to the differentiation plays as we get a little bit cheaper. But there just aren't a lot of expensive options this week in the salary structure. So uh, what does that do to how you plan to start your lineup building? Yeah, that's a great point. And it's something that you can't get away from because you have to spend your salary. So um, I don't know what it's going to do necessarily. I think uh, ownership up top is going to matter um, if you can't find those low owned guys, but I think everyone's just going to get some ownership and then maybe just try to differentiate down low. Uh, like you mentioned. But one other thing to keep in mind, I mean, two weeks ago, we thought Hideki to live was a done deal. And now we're hearing Finau might withdraw this week. So it could get really ugly. I mean, if those two end up being out. Yeah, uh, definitely something to monitor. And uh, you just, it'll end up becoming free squares at the top. Um, I had not seen the Finau deal yet. What is the story there? Um, He's reportedly going to live or speculated go to live out somebody was tweeting that he was going to withdraw this week but i haven't seen nothing official yet so uh just rumors at this point yeah lots of rumors like like we said he's got all those kids to feed so surprised he's not there already that's right uh all right well of the i mean we've only got seven golfers at or above 9k so uh your thoughts on the top right now we've got Finau as the chalk. I mean, he's played here all three years, finished top 30 every time. So, Yeah, uh, hard not to like Finau. Uh, the bent grass greens are always a positive for me. He's a pretty average putter on anything else, and he's very good putter on bent grass. Uh, played really well on Sunday at the Open. So I'll have a lot of him. Um, Sungjae is the interesting one. I mean, he's coming off of three missed cuts in a row. He did have a 15th year uh, back in 2019 in his only appearance, but he's kind of – I mean, it feels 10K for a guy missing three cuts in a row. You don't get that very often. So I'll be interested to see his ownership. I don't have a great take on Hideki. Just he hasn't been playing great the last couple of weeks. Um, he's always a threat to WD. So I I think Finau's my clear choice up here, but I think that's going to be everyone else's take as well. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, his early ownership is the highest we've seen on a, on a top-end golfer for a while. Again, some of it's a function of the other options. Some of it's a function of the, the salary makeup this week, uh, which is going to make this one of the strangest weeks that we've had for lineup building in, in quite some time. And I'm kind of with you. I, I don't really trust Hideki right now. I don't really trust Sungjae right now. Uh, give me Finau up there. And, you know, I, I probably don't even have an issue Xing out the others. Uh, if, you know, unless, unless Finau also withdraws, uh, in which case, you know, you gotta play somebody, but I think you can even start your lineup builds if you want, even for single entry, you know, maybe you started in the nines and just make a nice balanced build, um, with guys in there. So you got the Gala, we've seen his upside a lot lately. He played pretty well last week on a course that you maybe wouldn't have expected from, uh, for him to play that well. Hadwin has played well here in the past. Uh, Davis Riley, Cameron Davis, those are some guys that have shown some upside lately. So 
uh, I, I don't, especially if Finau ends up not playing, which again, we don't know for sure. Uh, you you got to like some of these guys in the 9Ks as potential starting points. For sure. Uh, I like Tagala quite a bit. You mentioned he's been playing a lot more consistent lately. Consistent lately. Uh, long off the tee. Really good short game, too, um, when he gets around the greens. So I think he's interesting. McNeely should be uh, very popular. If you're looking for a reason to fade him. So he played the Travelers, and then he played the JDC, and then he went over to the Scottish Open, and then came back and played the Barracuda. So he's been traveling a bunch, and this is his fifth week in a row. I still think he's a great play. Um, he's three for three here. Or no, sorry, he's one for one here, T16 here last year. But I don't know, fifth week in a row and, you know, traveling to Europe. I don't Was he just trying to get a spot in the Open? Could have been. I don't know. Yeah. But that is a bit strange, especially to play the Barracuda after that. Yeah. Yeah, it seemed a little weird to me, but uh, it's a good price point. He's been, you know, three straight top 20s. Um, Hadwin's interesting. Guy that can get hot with the putter, hot with the irons. And then Davis Riley, 30% for him. I mean, it's hard to make an argument against him, especially in this field. So, uh, I don't know. Do you have any strong takes on any of these guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I do like with the way that Raleigh's been playing um, and the fact that he tends to be pretty aggressive, like I'll shoot for upside and, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I'll, I was kind of hoping maybe a little bit lower and we'll see where it goes. But given the fact that Riley hasn't played here, um, I, I don't I haven't played him all that much, but like I think going for the aggressive guys that can make a lot of birdies and, you know, hopefully keep it out of the water. Uh, you got to get scores here. So I, I do like Riley. Uh, yeah, I think I do too. Uh, Bill in the chat says, Fox and Power were very disappointing last week. Uh, I'll, I'll one-up you. Justin Rose was very disappointing last week. So I had I thought that Rose was like the last guy I excluded from my player pool. Uh, and I went through all of Thursday thinking I had no Justin Rose. And then I looked afterwards and I had like 22% Justin Rose still had a really good week uh, and still had, you know, was well above the field and six to six percentage. I did have some Justin Rose. Uh, yes, that was, uh, that was frustrating. Um, and I did not, and I didn't say, did you see this Seamus power chalk coming? I did not see that. I, I like him being chalk in that, in that, uh, that, you know, that type of tournament. Yeah, that was a little surprising. I don't know. I didn't see the full ownership percentages in terms of the waves, but it did look like there was a you know an early late wave advantage um, before lineup locks. Maybe people he was in the right wave anyway because I thought about him in my main lineup. All right, um, that's. I mean, that's it for nine K options. There's <laughs> only seven of them, and the bottom half of this field is terrible. So. Uh, you know, we've stalled for time a little bit talking about last week, talking about live and the, just the nature of the tournament this week. So uh, let's go ahead and go into the eight K's uh, where even there um, we've still only got like eight options between eight and eight and eighty nine hundred. So, again, we're still going to see ownership congregate here um, right now. We've got Ches Reeve as the lowest owned, and I believe he won the Barracuda last week. I think pretty sure he did. Um, yes. <laughs> So, uh, you know, it's the fade the winner narrative, I guess. But uh, what are your thoughts on uh, some of these guys? Yeah, so I was going to bring up the two recent winners right here. You have Revy. Um, last time he won on tour, missed the next, missed his next two cuts. Not that that matters, but if anybody wanted to know. And then was it about Boston, 16 years ago? 
Yeah. Uh, he won the – didn't he win <laughs> in Phoenix him. a couple years ago? I know. No, he won the Travelers, I think. Anyway, uh, and then JT Poston uh, won the JDC, uh, went to the Scottish Open, missed the cut. I'm probably okay being underweight on those two guys, especially since I want a little bit more distance off the tee anyway. Uh, everyone else I kind of like. You have Cam Davis at the top. He's been in great form. Uh, he's got three top tens in his last five starts. He's also got a good track record here. Tringali just continues to play pretty well. Um, he tends to be pretty streaky too. Um, he's got a good skill set for this course. Uh, Brendan Still, so his ball striking, plus 11.3, plus 8.5, plus 9.4. That's as good as anyone on tour in their last three events. Uh, I like Brendan Still. And then at the very bottom, I like Nick Hardy. Uh, five straight top 35s. He's just a guy that uh, I think we haven't seen his best on tour yet. Yeah, we've been riding the Nick Hardy train for a while, so certainly in this field, uh, we've got to we've got to keep uh, keep up with that. So <clears throat> I like Hardy at eight thousand as well. Uh, don't have a, a lot of strong love for a lot of other guys in this range. Like I'm fine with them. I'll probably end up going underweight on some of the chalkier options in here. Um, you know, Adam Long at twenty percent. I'll probably be underweight on that. Um, I do like Davis and I do like Hardy bookending the 8k range and uh, you make a, a good point there about the way steel has been playing so what do you make of post in long term now after obviously again he won a terrible field event at the john deere but we've seen guys win the john deere and then take off um you know speeds won there deshambo's won there so what does that do for post and always a talented kind of inconsistent guy uh does he kind of take that leap forward and become a consistent guy or is that just a flash in the pan well, I mean, prior to this year, he was always a short game specialist, a lot like, you know, McKenzie Hughes, uh, somebody like that. But if you look at his game log from this year, he's gained off the tee in almost every event um, he's played in. And then over his last couple months, he's been on fire with the iron. So if his ball striking is anywhere near it has been in the last couple months, I think he could be a lot better than we've seen in the last couple of years. So uh, we know the putter can get hot. It just comes down to, you know, if the off the tee can sustain itself. Yeah. Uh, well, good for him getting that win. I'm with you this week though. I don't think it's necessarily the spot uh, to go in on him, but uh, uh, nothing against him in the long term. All right, let's move into the seven K's where we finally start to get some volume of players here. Um, you know, with the Goderup who's been popular lately, um, you've got Ryan Palmer's been playing pretty decent golf. The old veterans, uh, Jason Day, Ricky Fowler in here. Uh, what are your thoughts on kind of the mid to upper 7K range? Whatever happened to Ricky going to live? I don't know. Maybe they didn't invite him. <laughs> <laughs> I swear they even sent a, they showed us the picture with him with the background and his signature. I thought we had even the, the official word, but I don't know. Ricky's here. I don't. I, I always root for him, but I don't think. I think I'm done chasing him uh, in DFS. I've lost too much over the last couple of years doing that. Uh, Goddard's hard to get away from. You know, Haskins Award winner. Uh, we've seen him top five already on the PGA Tour. He did struggle at the uh, the Barbasol, I think. But I mean, it was coming off of that top five, and he was the favorite. And I think it just uh, was bad timing there. I like Svensson, but he's going to be popular. He's one of the better iron players in the field. CT Pan's a guy that I tend to play more than most. And then uh, I like Wyndham Clark at 7,500. If you want to play the bomber and putter, 
uh, combo, like similar to Cam Champ last year. That's kind of his skill set is, you know, bombing and putting. Well, not long-term putting, but he has those, uh, you know, when he wins, he just gains a ton of strokes putting. And Wyndham Clark is kind of the same. He's uh, long off the tee and good putter. Everything else is pretty average. Everybody knows I'm a Adam Svensson truther, so uh, I can't ignore Adam Svensson chalk week, even though he's going to be pretty popular. I can't miss out if this is the week. I'll probably bet him to heck. I bet him at 401 a couple times. I got to bet him the one week he's got a decent <laughs> shot. Um, he's and been I was having what, well. well, yeah, he has been. And that, that week scared me because I didn't bother the Barbasol. I think it was the week he ended up finishing like sixth or something. Uh, and he was tied for the lead there in the third round. So I was afraid I had missed out. But uh, if this is the week, we won't miss out. We'll have some Svensson, uh, though he will be certainly the most popular player in that range. Um, all right, let's move to the lower end of the 7K range. The aforementioned Ju Young Kim is in here with the uh, special temporary membership, and we do finally start to see ownership spread out a bit in here. So this is where you start to make or break some lineups. Uh, what are your thoughts on the value side of the 7K range? Yeah, I think uh, it's hard not to look to Ju Young Kim. Uh, Thomas the Train uh, is his nickname, and... Yeah, he's just been playing well. Um, hasn't let a lot of people down that have played him the last two weeks. I think the 11% ownership is a little light. I would expect that to go up throughout the week, especially because he's uh, down to 60 to 1 um, in some books, and everyone around him is 80 to 100. So I think he'll be popular, but I like him quite a bit. I mean, he had never played Lynx golf and went out, played well at the Scottish, played well at the Open. So I think his game kind of travels. Um, other guys, man, I don't know. I don't know, we're starting to get in the ugly range here. Oh, it's uh, just an awful week. Uh, if you can't narrow your player pool down this week, you got you got issues narrowing it down because it's yeah. It's so ugly. the the bomber putter narrative, you have uh, Stuart Sink who wasn't very good last week, but uh, played well at the Scottish, and then uh, yeah, Patton Kazire, he's down there. He's three for three at this event, seventy one hundred. Tom Hoagie has won the Minnesota State Am twice, so he's got some local connections at least. And I was going to bring up somebody else. I think it was Troy Merritt is also from Minnesota. So if you want to play the local angle, it, it worked well with Van Ruyen that one year here. <laughs> uh, and he has withdrawn due to injury, so that uh, kept him out of the open, no surprise that he's not teeing it up this week. So Doug Gim's back in the field this week, obligatory mention, probably not playing him on a course where you need to make a ton of birdies and make some putts. Uh, Doug Gim does not make putts. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll pass on him this week. Uh, let's see. I think Grayson Sig is okay. Uh, we've only got him at about 3%. He's had some decent results lately. Uh, just if you're looking for some more contrarian options in that range, as opposed to the uh, Neesmith Clark's, Ju Young Kim that are probably going to see ownership in the double digits. Uh, Kazire, I like that call as well. I actually just tagged him. I think uh, he played fairly well at the John Deere. Uh, this would be the type of event where maybe he could pop at low ownership. So uh, Patton Kazire is on my radar as well. I like it. And the last name, Bo Hostler. Uh, very long off the tee. One of the better putters in the field. Um, one of the worst approach guys in the field as well, but he's been a little bit more consistent lately. All right, I started looking down into the 6Ks, and then I looked again, and I looked again, and I kept looking, and they all stink. Um, it just is 
it's not pretty. This is an ugly field and you get down towards the bottom and you're just, you're really, really fighting it. I think closing out your lineups, making that balance build, you know, there's not a lot of 10 K guys this week, really not a ton of guys to spend up for. There really isn't much need to go deep down into the six K's. Uh, you either have guys that are, you, most all of them are in bad form. Um, Bryce Bryce Garnett is the one guy I picked out. He's finished 23rd, 26th, and 16th in the three years at this event. And, uh, you know, the current form isn't great, but you're not getting that with a lot of guys down here. So a half-hearted endorsement for Garnett at 6,900, but it's not like you got to go play him. I mean, right now we've got some ownership on Ryan Moore, who hasn't done anything of note lately. Uh, there's just not a lot down here. So. Uh, does the model pop any names or do you have any names under 7k don't mind the garnett call but if i sort by point per dollar in my model usually there's a couple of 6k guys that are you know in the top five or ten uh 23rd best value is the first 6k guy this week which is i've never seen that before so it just goes to your point that the 6k range is pretty terrible uh but it's who is Hank, it? who's Hank the one Hank Lebiota. um who this is uh, where he had to withdraw after making the cut here last year. It, this was like his great run of form. He was like 30% owned. I finally played him. This is the first time I played him. <laughs> and then he walked off 18 and uh, withdrew right after that for a family matter. But uh, he's been a little bit better lately. And yeah, uh, so he's probably the one guy I think too. All right. Uh, yeah, there's not much else down here. Um like Justin Lower, we have getting some ownership. I don't know. Like you mentioned, they're just not popping as great point per dollar plays. There's not a ton to spend up on. Uh, maybe finalize your rosters in the seven Ks. And it's just a fairly straightforward week. You're going to see ownership congregate, particularly if we get some withdrawals on some popular names. Like this is one week where I really hope we don't get that. Uh, because then like if Finau, if Finau withdraws or Matsuyama withdraws, like you're going to see somebody at the top hit like 40%. Yeah. Uh, even in the, the smaller dollar contest this weekend. That's just weird. Like DraftKings clearly didn't adjust their pricing algorithm to what it usually is. Um, because these are some of this are the soft probably the softest non-major tournament salaries that, that we've seen on DraftKings, at least in, in recent memory. So uh, other uh, thoughts, comments, we've on almost 40 minutes, which I'll consider a W for this oh, yeah. tournament, uh, even though most of it, a lot of it was spent on last week. But anything else for this wonderful event? No, I don't think so. And I mean, it definitely didn't help. You know, Bazoot and Howe withdrew, Howe withdrew, Hubbard withdrew. You know, those are all guys that you would think would be a little more expensive. Uh, I think a couple of them are even in the 8Ks. But yeah, it's going to be an ugly week. Uh, just pick your spots. Maybe take it a little bit lighter on the bankroll and uh, enjoy the enjoy the All Star break for baseball. Yeah, there's been uh, probably about twelve guys withdraw since the, and most of them were excluded from uh, the salary list on DraftKings because they came out prior to uh, and FanDuel because they came out prior to um, salaries being released. But that could account for why the algorithm seems a little bit off. Uh, they did have, like you mentioned, they did have Hubbard and Howell still in there and, and Van Roy. And so um, could account for why the, the algorithm's a little bit off this week. But even beyond those two guys, there were quite a few other uh, field changes, you know, before the salaries were released uh, that have just kind of thrown this event off a little bit. But 
that's what we get the week after a major. Um, next week, we've got the Rocket Mortgage Classic in Detroit, uh, another event that tends to be a, a fairly weak field, followed by the Wyndham Championship and the FedEx St. Jude as we get into the playoffs, uh, the FedEx Cup playoffs in August. So uh, with that, we'll go ahead and put a bow around our show for this week. Thanks to Noto for joining me, of course. I'm Justin. Thanks to our producer, Steve, for working hard behind the scenes. And, of course, uh, as Noto mentioned, enjoy the All-Star break. And uh, we'll see you back on Thursday. Uh, small slate of MLB games, so still kind of TBD what we'll have for content and stuff on Thursday with, uh, I think, just like three day games and three night games. Uh, but we'll be back uh, for sure for the full slate on Friday. Of course, we'll have you covered over at Scores and Odds with some sports betting picks. Check us out over there on scoresandodds.com if you're interested. And uh, and good luck with your golf lineups this week. So with that, we'll uh, put an end to the show, and we will see you guys next week, same time, same place, for the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Have a good week, everybody. 